are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hey everyone, my name's Chris and welcome to Hope Church. It's good for us to be together today as we're digging into the book of Galatians and uh, our series which we've called Grace, which is God's undeserved favour. We started the series with the analogy of a boat which in the storms of life can so easily blow off course. Certainly that's what uh, happened to the churches in Galatia as people came to distort the gospel. We too over time can veer off course and away from the true message of the gospel and so it's good for us uh, to go through this book and remind ourselves of the gospel and its impact on every area of life. One area of life uh, that this gospel will impact is in conflict resolution and so today we're going to be talking about exactly that and I have to be upfront and honest that this has both been really encouraging for me but also really challenging to prepare and my prayer is that as we dig into this topic that you too will find it equally as encouraging but also challenging as we just all take time to reflect on how we have handled conflict across the many different areas of life that we find ourselves in. You know, you don't have to be a part of a, a group uh, of people for too long before there is tension and some kind of conflict. Catherine and I, we didn't even get to the end of our wedding day before there was conflict. We had the ceremony and it was all lovely and, and, and good and we arrived at the reception at the hotel and all the guests were there. It was a lovely sunny afternoon and the, the waiters came round. They were like handing out the canopies and um, during this time the photos were being done and so as usual they called the families to come and get the shots and so they called Catherine's family and they all came and you know mother of the bride, father of the bride and, and me and Catherine were there, the siblings, the aunties the uncles the cousins and and that was all lovely and then it came to call my family and when they called my family were they there of course not don't be silly we run on African timing needless to say it didn't really go down very well though we did end up getting my family shots done eventually Anyway, there was this moment where uh, I just took Catherine to one side to kind of calm her down and our photographer decided that that would just be the perfect moment to take a photo of us uh, and here it is for us to remember for all time. So it doesn't take long to get into arguments, uh, just a heads up Ollie and Hannah, but it's not just marriages. You know, parents will argue with their children, especially as they grow into teenagers and, and get grown up and they're adults in their own right. There'll be family feuds across the cousins and uncles and nephews and nieces. You know, conflicts will occur in, in every type of team, from your sports team to with your colleagues and your work teams, from political teams, across countries and nations. At all levels, where there is people, there will be tension and conflict. You won't have to search too far down your social media newsfeed for too long before you come across a difference of opinion and the resulting conflict that ensues. Do you know what? It is no different in the church. 
Wherever you find people, you will find a difference of opinion, difference of preferences and values, and therefore tension, conflict, and confrontation. And so how we handle this is just so important. In Galatians uh, chapter two, uh, which we're about to hear, Paul has an issue with Peter. Peter means rock, and it's a name that Jesus gives to one of his disciples who was previously known as Simon. What happens is that Peter has sinned, and Peter has messed up, and so Paul chooses to confront Peter about it. Now, this passage isn't predominantly Paul's advice about what to do when you face conflict, but it is about a conflict that happened and how Paul dealt with it. And so it's a window into not what Paul says to do, but what Paul did when conflict occurred and how he handled it. And so it's just a great example for us about what we can do when this happens. And so I've called this talk Gracious Confrontation. And uh, we're going to dig into that. And I believe this will be a, a practically helpful talk, uh, which I'm sure will help you in your work, with your family, in any clubs that you might be in, in your marriage, and uh, most importantly, in the church too. And so reading the passage for us this morning is Grace. Take it away, Grace. Galatians 2, verses 11 to 16. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and are not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Wonderful. Well, so there you are. I opposed him to his face. I mean, there's some great verses in there, hey? And so, as always, for those who might be tuning in for the first time, let me just give you a bit of context. So far in the book, we've seen how Paul is defending the gospel of grace. And that is uh, the message that people are made right with God, not by the things they do, but by God's gift of his son, Jesus, to humanity. And uh, through faith uh, in Jesus, we become the undeserving recipients of God's un unearned and unmerited favour and blessing. Grace can be known as God's riches at Christ's expense. And this gospel was under attack. And a group um, of people who they came to say that, no, no, you had to earn God's favour by doing stuff. This group he calls the circumcision party or the circumcision group. And Paul defends this message in a variety of ways, including going to Jerusalem to have the message verified by the other apostles, including Peter. Peter and the others, they agree with this message and they give him the right hand of fellowship and off they go. 
So now we're a little bit along in the timeline and Paul is in Antioch and Peter has come to spend time with him. Whilst there, Peter hangs out with the Gentiles and this is the term for people who are not from a Jewish background, probably like most of us listening today. This was a big deal for Peter because throughout his whole upbringing, he was taught that these people, people like you and me, were unclean because we didn't come from Jewish background. And to mingle with such people would be detestable. Now, God deals with that issue in Peter, which you can read about in Acts chapter 10. And so Peter knows that the gospel is for everyone. However, a group of Christians, they come from the Jerusalem church where James leads the church. And they are Christians from a Jewish background. And the passage tells us that when uh, they come, Peter started to withdraw from those that he had started to eat with and socialise with. These people from the Jerusalem uh, would have been horrified that he was eating with them. And rather than upholding the gospel and what it stands for, Peter folds and he withdraws. And you know what? Paul calls him out on his hypocrisy. And then he wrote it down in scripture for all of us to read and remember for all time, a bit like that photo that we have of our wedding day. You know, Peter, he gave in to fear, fear of what others thought about him. And, and not only does Peter compromise the gospel, but he also actually leads others astray. It says even Barnabas was led astray, Barnabas being another great leader in the church. And do you know what? Paul says, you hypocrite. So why is this all relevant to us? Well, because we are a group of people and therefore there will be times of tension, times where we disagree on things because we have different values and preferences and this may lead to conflict. And so we need to learn how to handle this tension in our church well and also be an example to others in our workplaces and our universities and our marriage to our children and so on. And so in this passage, we see three things. We see conflict, confrontation, and we see compromise. And so let's talk about all of those three and we'll end with, with Jesus. So let's talk about conflict. As I've already mentioned, Conflict in any group of people is inevitable. But conflict doesn't create problems, it reveals problems. In our household, when Catherine explodes because yet again I fail to put the dishes in the dishwasher or my laundry in the basket, conflict occurs. And you know, I can grin and say, oh, why are you causing such a fuss? It's not a big deal, stop making a big deal out of it. And I can deflect the issue. But the conflict wasn't actually the problem. The problem already occurred. It was just underlying underneath and then it came out. Sometimes people can think that when conflict occurs that suddenly there is a problem. But no, no, there was already a problem and the conflict just reveals that problem. Conflict reveals our assumptions. It reveals our difference of opinion and our selfishness. It reveals what's already there underneath and it's inevitable. And so it just, it's good for us to know it doesn't create problems, but it does reveal them. In a church organisation, in a group, in a group in the home, you know, it needs to be handled well on all sides. And actually far from it having to damage um, our relationships, it can really help us to grow and strengthen and become closer together. Think about it. 
in this passage, it was conflict between two amazing people. Peter, the miracle per, uh, worker, the person that spent time with Jesus. He walked on water. He was given a new name, the rock. Uh, he was an elder in a church. He was a gifted evangelist and a spirit-filled writer and leader. And then there was Paul, who was, who was also an apostle, who had a, a miraculous revelation by Jesus, who was a church planter, who was gifted evangelist. He wrote uh, half of the New Testament books and was a great leader. Both have loads in common. Both loved God and his church, but there was conflict and it resulted in a great blessing, a blessing for the church that went back on track for Peter who changed for the the relationship that was restored the conflict it didn't occur because Paul spoke up about it no the conflict was already there in Peter's behavior and Paul needed to address it you know in 2 Peter 3 which Peter writes later on Peter talks about Paul as his dear brother and says that some of his letters are hard to understand but he's got it right salvation comes from God alone you know, there was great restoration, even though there was a conflict. Conflict, it shows us our own imperfection. It helps us to be humble. It reminds us we're not perfect. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, when we go through arguments and we battle through ideas and thoughts, we work through the issues together in any group, this can actually strengthen and deepen our relationships. And I've experienced that in in my marriage, with my children, in the church and in my work. And, you know, it takes a commitment on all sides to see it through. I I used to be uh, the head of maths in a secondary school and we went from special measures to good in one year. And during that year, do you know it was really tough? And uh, my kind of deputy, my second in department, you know, probably hated me for much of the time because obviously there was lots of underlying issues and faults in the department and we had to work through those and we got through them and we got through the tough time and by the end it was amazing and the relationship was great and the department did brilliantly and the school was better off for it. Handled well, conflict can be a great blessing. Handled badly, it can destroy relationships. Uh, It can harbor bad thoughts for one another it can sow seeds of bitterness. It can bring the church into disrepute. There can be church splits and it can cause real long-lasting hurt and damage on, on all sides. You know, I remember you know, when we went through the book of 1 Corinthians, they were suing one another in this church because it got so bad and Paul had to deal with that and he helped them. But handled with grace, you know, that can be handled badly, but handled with grace, conflict can be really can be a great blessing. There's lots of different things that can cause conflict in, you know, in, in any kind of area, wherever there's a group of people. Bad chemistry between people. You know, some people you just don't get on with. They just rub you up the wrong way and that can cause tension. Difference in taste or preference or culture. You know, someone wants worship done this way and another wants it done that way. Someone, you know, wants more of a focus on the poor. Another wants more on the focus on the family. Another wants more of a focus on growing believers. Another wants more of a focus on evangelism. And all these preferences can cause conflict. Thoughtless words can cause conflict. You know, gossip and tactlessness. Sometimes hurt pride can do that. You know, when we have a desire for a position, we can be hurt when we don't get it. Or we can be hurt that we've been overlooked or not asked to do something that we thought we might be the best for. 
theological differences can also cause this. But you know what, in this passage, none of these issues were, were what caused the conflict, were, were the issue in the passage. The issue in this passage was sin. Peter knew that the Gentiles were accepted in Christ, but he wasn't living like it. Peter was in sin and Paul refused to sin along with him. So how do we handle conflict with grace? Well, we tackle the issue and not each other, rather than placing the issue between you, like on a sofa between you and your spouse, rather than placing the issue there, what we need to do is take that issue and put it in front of us and sit side by side and say, this is the issue and this is what we need to work out. Let's work on that together. Let's work it through as we sit side by side tackling the issue and not each other. Staying humble, recognising uh, that there will be room on all sides for manoeuvre, maintaining the unity that we have in Christ is all so important for handling conflict with grace. So what about you? Are you in conflict with someone at the moment? Maybe it might be worth making a list of the issues that might be underneath that conflict because it will help you to clarify what the issue really is. So, of course, it might then need a confrontation. And so that's the second thing I want to talk about. So let's talk about confrontation. In, in the passage that we've seen, there was conflict and Paul felt that he just couldn't let it go. He needs to confront the issue. Here are some things that we see Paul do. First of all, he it says face to face. Verse 11, he opposed him to his face. Paul confronts Peter, not by slagging him off behind his back, not by spreading gossip about him, not by tweeting something about him. Uh, he talks to him instead face to face. And it's so simple, but for some reason, it can just be so challenging and hard for us to do. You know, we live in a culture and a society that just doesn't like to have any kind of confrontation unless it's online, it seems to be anyway. Face-to-face -face conversations are rare, and yet just so vital for sharing nuance and validating the humanity in others, being gracious and kind, and just reading body language. Having opportunity to hear what others have to say is also important for that face-to-face. -face. You know, Paul opposed Peter to his face, not behind his back, but in person. Of course, the current pandemic makes that a little tricky, but it's not impossible. And so let's not allow that to be an excuse. But he, so he does it face to face and, and we can do that too. Secondly, he starts by asking a question. When Paul opposed him, he didn't start with assumptions or statements or slurs, but instead he asked a question. It was a great question and it just highlighted his hypocrisy. Verse 14 says, you know, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you act like a Gentile and not like a Jew. So how is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You know, he's saying that you don't practice the Jewish law anymore, even though you are from a Jewish background. So why are you asking the Gentiles who have a different background to start doing the things that you don't do? It's ridiculous. And so when you're clear on what the issue is then and and why there is conflict it's good to meet face to face and it's good to just start by asking questions that's what he does and it's great and he doesn't start by making statements and that what that does is that just 
allows Peter to, to kind of think and reflect without being told what the answer is or what the right thing to do is. And I think that's just a great tactic, one that I'm trying to learn myself and, and have not always got right. The third thing he does is he brings clarity. He was clear about the issue. Justification comes by faith in Jesus and not by works of the law. And so in verse 15, he says, he, you know, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He is clear, this is the issue that's underlying the, the sin that you are doing, Peter. You are compromising the, the gospel. You're compromising, you know, that's amazing. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And it's an amazing, it is an amazing summary of the gospel, that justification, it comes by faith. Justified means being made right with God, by faith alone. It's a legal declaration in the court of God that you are God's child and you can enter through his gates. You are justified, just as if I'd never sinned, able to enter into the throne room of grace. This is what every person gets when they put their trust in Jesus. It's not by what you do, but by what Jesus did. And Peter, he surrendered to a false gospel. And Paul jumps in and says, no, Peter, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus died for. And so he confronts Peter because he saw that Peter had compromised the gospel and it was leading others astray, even Barnabas. So he brought clarity to the situation. You know, this will happen in our church too. And when it does, it's good to bring clarity it's good to ask questions and do it face to face and if we are to build a grace-filled church we need to be able to handle these things really well you know when I need to confront someone or a group or a team or my children about an issue thinking it clearly through I just find so important some things that I do is I take time to really think through what is the issue what's the underlying issue I check it with with others you know have I got this right have I misread the situation is this correct sometimes I write it down I find writing it down really helpful just really to help me to to clarify what is it that I'm I'm struggling with or upset about I try as best I can not to make it personal you know putting the issue in front of us in this example the verses say that Paul brought the confrontation in front of them all and now this wasn't a public embarrassment, but it was about transparency in front of the team of leaders. So that there's accountability there. You know, sometimes that can be really helpful too, is, is once we've had a chance maybe to try to discuss it one-on-one, -on -one, if that hasn't helped, well, why not uh, take two or three and just work on it together? Or if it's a team issue, work on it with your team. You know, if it's at the university with a lecturer, you know, talk to the lecturer. And, you know, um, if it's in a workplace, talk with the, the working team. But the aim for Paul and for all of us when we bring confrontation has got to be restoration. Bringing Peter and the church back in line was Paul's desire as, uh, as well as fruitfulness for the gospel and the well-being of the church. It was all about restoration. And so it's worth thinking, if I leave this unchecked, if I leave this issue, this, this uh, conflict that keeps arising unchecked, Will it cause greater damage later on? If so, you're probably going to need to confront the issue, remembering that the conflict that came, or the conflict that might come when you confront the issue, isn't the actual issue. The issue is the issue. One of the things I've learned over the past few years is that it's often not what you say, but how you say it that makes the biggest 
difference. And you know what, if you are a leader, then you need to get used to bringing confrontation. If you're gonna lead a group or lead in your workplace or in a club or in the church, you will have issues and you'll need to confront them. Those, uh, you'll need to confront those issues and it's horrible to be honest, but you need to get used to it. I started in the leadership journey, confronted people, you know, maybe in the life group who were always late or they would say they were gonna turn up and they just never do it. And you know, if you're a life group leader, you need to lovingly confront those Otherwise, you'll grow to resent them and there'll be tension and conflict. You know, like Paul says, ask some questions. Hey, did, did you know you were on the rotor this week for that team? Did you know that you, you, you mentioned you were going to come? I made you a meal, but you didn't turn up and we really missed you. Is everything okay? These are good questions that just, uh, I guess, portray that, hey, there was, there was an issue here. Are you okay? Did I communicate well? Is, 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 you know, is there something that I can help you better with to make sure that you're able to turn up on time to work next week? Questions are a great place. And in leadership, you're gonna have issues like lateness all the way through to issues like adultery, control, manipulation. And you know what, it's never easy to tackle, but it's so important too. Why should you confront it? Because it prevents damage down the line to you, your family, your group, your workplace, and the church. And so you have to be godly and you've got to confront. It's part of the leader's role and Paul just demonstrates it so well here. Paul had to confront Peter, otherwise the whole church would have been taken off track. Already some key leaders were going like Barnabas and the whole church were on their way. Paul had to say something and it's not about being in control, but leaders and elders are called to guard the church. And uh, do you know what? Leaders in all different settings need to make sure they're, they're guarding their, their organization, their group, wherever it is and that is gonna mean confrontation. It's not just for leadership role, it's also for parents. You know, parents, I wanna encourage you, you know, to confront your children. Discipline is so important, and it's hard sometimes, and, and you get tired, but consistency is just so important. You know, this week I've been working on um, saying what I mean, or uh, following through on what I threat you know so I said to the girls this week earlier in the car hey if you're good on the way home we'll, we'll drop by the shop and we'll get some sweets and on the way home they I mean they weren't bad but they were shouting over each other and they they yeah they they weren't being great and so I really wanted some sweets and so I had this tussle in my heart I want to get some sweets but they haven't been great what do I do I stick with what I say or do I give in and uh, I, I didn't give in, I didn't compromise. No, I stuck it out and I, I sent them a message that I do mean what I say. And the rest of the week, actually, they, they've been much better. You know, when you're tired and when you're hungry and you have your own selfish motives and desires, it's so hard, but it's so important to confront as parents, to discipline and to be consistent. So that's parents, but what about others? You know, you might need to confront injustice and inequality in the university. You might need to confront lateness in the life group, like I've mentioned. You might need to confront unethical practice in the workplace. And we don't always get it right. Certainly, I know I don't. And there will be people listening today who I've confronted over the past few years about various different things who know where I've got these things right and where I haven't, but we're all, on, we're all learning and we're all on a learning curve and none of us are perfect. Neither are Peter and Paul. You know, don't forget, Paul also had an argument with Barnabas in Acts and they went their separate ways. And I love the Bible because it doesn't leave out real life stuff. It doesn't leave out the different issues, you know, Peter had here and that Paul's had in Acts. 
it's just real and you know what we're a church we want to be real together we're family and we're committed to one another where there is conflict remember it's normally revealing an underlying issue and the easy thing is to deceive ourselves into thinking that the gracious thing to do is just to ignore it to leave it and say nothing but that builds resentment over time and can harbor bitterness paul decides i'm not going to do that Paul is going to be gracious and graciously come and bring confrontation to this. A gracious church brings these things to the fore and its aim is always restoration. And the result was that Peter was corrected, Paul had a testimony, the whole church was blessed and we can learn from it today and the relationships were restored and the church were back on track. So I wonder, here's the second question, where do you need to bring confrontation? Okay, so the third of my C's was compromise. What about compromise? What place does that have to play in this whole area of conflict resolution? Well, sometimes compromise can be a good thing, absolutely. You know, you're watching a film with the missus or you know, your spouse and your partner and you know, they wanna watch something, you wanna watch something and so, hey, I'm, oh, darling, I love you, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we can watch The Notebook again, no problem compromise you know it might be in different areas you, you can compromise on personal taste on dress sense on song choice on meal choice on color choice we can compromise on the exact order of the timings of the end times on the exact details of creation grace field compromise it understands that there are some things that are kind of like open-handed and we can be happy to get along despite our differences in taste preference or value and if that's the way you want to go, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We, we can do that. Compromise, though, can also be a bad thing. There are things we just don't compromise on. And the gospel message that Jesus brings salvation through his death and resurrection, that you can receive it by faith, is not one to compromise on. And that's where Paul drew the line. When Jesus was on trial, Peter denied Jesus through fear. Fear of man, that's fear of what other people think, and fear of being associated with Jesus. Now, Peter is once again denying the gospel. He's denying being associated with the Gentiles through fear, fear of man, fear of what other people think, fear of being associated with them. And Peter, he, that's what he's doing. He is compromising the gospel and how it is portrayed to people because he is too concerned about what other people think. You know, it's so easy for us to compromise our trust in Jesus and compromise what it means to follow him and compromise his best for us because of fear of what others think. Fear of what our schoolmates think. Fear of what our girlfriends or boyfriends might think. Fear of what our colleagues and bosses think. Fear of what society thinks. And this compromise is just not good. Other things, you know, not to compromise on, apart from the gospel, might include our commitment to worship in spirit and truth, our commitment to the poor, our commitment to meet together, gather together and worship, our commitment to prayer, our commitment to the Holy Spirit and his gifts, our commitment to the, the sacraments like communion and baptism, our commitment to the church eldership. You know, Peter, he didn't want to have a conflict. And he didn't want to confront the people from Jerusalem regarding the Gentiles and whether to eat with them or not. And so instead, Peter ends up handling, the, uh, just kind of avoiding the, the difference in values. 
He avoids confronting them and he compromised the gospel by distancing himself from the very people he agreed it was right to reach. After all, I guess it caused less aggro and he didn't want to stir in the nest. But ultimately, it brought the gospel into disrepute and it led others astray. So what are those things that cause ungodly compromise? Well, fear of man, you know, what people think, what will other churches or groups think? That was Peter's problem. And also love of ourselves. Thinking too highly of ourselves can lead to ungodly compromise. You know, when we value our status in society or our position in the community above what we see around us, it can lead us to act in ways which compromise the gospel. In theory, Peter was fine with the gospel going to the Gentiles, but in practice, he chose to love himself above others. So what will stop you compromising? Well, instead of fear of man, we need to have the right fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 says the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom and that fear is not a trembling fear but a reverent fear. He is a holy God above all things and he will judge justly and having a rightful fear of God is right and treating him with disregard, dishonour and apathy, well that will lead to compromise. We need to have the right fear of God above man and we need to love God above ourselves. Loving God, thanking him for all that we have, remembering his grace, thanking him for his gift of life, uh, trusting him, following him, listening to him, understanding our identity in him will help you not to compromise the gospel or compromise your faith in other areas. Fear God and love God. Because if you fear man and love yourself, you're just going to end up in Peter's position, which can so easily lead to compromise and leading others astray. So here's the question, where are you compromising where you shouldn't be? So let's just remember, conflict doesn't create problems, it reveals them. They're there in every church and it's inevitable, but handled well will make us stronger. Confrontation is part of our calling. Part of being a Christian is to grow in handling this well because as soon as we say Jesus is Lord, then we're in confrontation with so much of our own desires and society's desires. And we need to confront ourselves and one another as iron sharpens iron. And compromise. You know, don't confuse ungodly compromise with grace. On non-essential issues, of course, look for a grace-filled compromise. But if we compromise in the wrong areas, it will distort the gospel and it will lead others astray and ourselves. So let's be bold and bring the conflict to the light by confronting in the right way. I just want to finish today's message over these last 30 seconds where Paul finishes. And he says, a person is not justified by works of the Jewish law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Do you know, the gospel is this, that we were in conflict with God because of our sin. Not because of a difference in taste or culture or opinion, but because of our sin. And Jesus opened the way for us to be made right with God by confrontation. He confronted the devil. He destroyed the devil's works on the cross and he disarmed the powers of evil in this world and he confronted you too he confronts us and he says come on your sin is leading you away from God it's causing you damage and others around you and he says I'm the light come and follow me you know Jesus doesn't come though to compromise with you he didn't say well if you do this for me then I'll do that for you no he says you come and surrender your life put your faith in me and you will be made righteous justified before God
It is the best confrontation that you will ever encounter in your life as he comes not to condemn you, but through his undeserving free gift of grace to confront you and bring you restoration. After all, isn't that the aim of all gracious confrontation? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for this book of Galatians that teaches us what it, what grace is and how grace impacts every area of our lives. And I just pray, Lord God, that as a church you will grow us, you would help us to grow into full maturity by handling conflict well. And I, I do pray, I pray for any areas all across our church where there might be some tension and, and uh, some things that aren't quite right, some conflict. I pray, Lord God, would you give us the boldness and the courage to bring that lovingly and gently to towards those that it, it might affect and encounter help us each of us lord god to play our part to take responsibility to to be bold through your holy spirit to resolve this well and we know it needs to be handled well on all sides help us to do that you know when we're being confronted help us to listen graciously to hear and uh, and not to be too quick to defend or uphold our own rights but to be humble as we come patiently and work this issue together not by tackling each other but by tackling the issues lord i thank you for your gospel i thank you for your grace and i pray heavenly father that you would help us to grow in all that it means to be a church filled with your grace in your heavenly name amen thanks for listening we're meeting online every sunday at 10 a.m head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information we look forward to seeing you